Chapter Nine of the Maid of Skur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. The Maid of Skur by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Nine. Sand Hills Turned to Sand Holes. While I was talking thus with the boy and expecting his mother every minute, with hope of a little refreshment when the farmer should have dropped off into his usual Sunday sleep, a very strange thing began more and more to force itself on my attention. I have said that the hall of this desolate house was large and long, and had six doorways, narrow arches of heavy stone, without a door to any of them. Three of these arches were at the west, and three at the east end of the room and on the south were two old windows, each in a separate gable, high up from the floor, and dark with stonework and with leadwork, and in the calmest weather these would draw the air and make a rattle. At the north side of the hall was nothing but dead wall, and fireplace, and cupboards, and the broad oak staircase. Having used the freedom to light a pipe, I sat with my face to the chimney-corner, where some wood ashes were smouldering, after the dinner was done with, and sitting thus, I became aware of a presence of some sort over my right shoulder. At first I thought it was nothing more than the smoke from my own pipe, for I puffed rather hard, in anxiety about that little darling. But seeing surprise, and alarm perhaps in Watkins' face, who sat opposite, I turned round, and there beheld three distinct and several pillars of a brownish-yellow light standing over against the doorways of the western end. At first I was a little scared, and the more so because the rest of the hall was darkening, with a pulse of colour gradually vanishing, and for an instant I really thought that the ghosts of the wrecked child's father and mother, and perhaps her nurse, were come to declare the truth about her, and challenge me for my hesitation. But presently I called to mind how many strange things had befallen me, both at sea and on the coast, in the way of feeling, and vision too, designed, however, by the power that sends them, more to forewarn than to frighten us, and, as we get used to them, to amuse or edify. Therefore I plucked my spirit up, and approached this odd appearance, and found that no part of it was visible upon the spot where it seemed to stand. But Watkin, who was much emboldened by my dauntless carriage, called out in Welsh that he could see me walking in and out of them, like so many haystacks. Upon this I took yet further courage, having a witness so close at hand, and nothing seeming to hurt me. So what did I do but go outside? without any motion of running away, but to face the thing to its utmost, and Watkin, keeping along the wall, took good care to come after me. Here I discovered in half a second that I had been wise as well as strong in meeting the matter valiantly, for what we had seen was but the glancing, or reflection as they call it now, of what was being done outside. In a word, the thick and stifling heat of the day, which had gathered to a head the glaring and blazing power of the last two months of hot summer, 
was just beginning to burst abroad in whirlwind hail and thunder all the upper heaven was covered with a spread of burning yellow all the halfway sky was red as blood with fibres under it and all the sides and margin looked as black as the new tarred bends of a ship but what threw me most astray was that the whole was whirling tossing upwards jets of darkness as a juggler flings his balls yet at one time spinning round and at the same time scowling down it is a hurricane said i having seen some in the west indies which began like this watkin knew not much of my meaning but caught hold of my coat and stood and in truth it was enough to make not only a slip of a boy but a veteran sailor stand and fear not a flash of lightning yet broke the expectation of it nor had been a drop of rain but to my surprise and showing how little we know of anything over the high land broke a sandstorm such as they have in africa it had been brewing some time most likely in the kenvig burrows toward the westward and the windward though no wind was astir with us i thought of a dance of water-spouts such as we had twice encountered in the royal navy once i know was after clearing the mouth of the strait of malaccas where the other was i truly forget having had so much to go everywhere but this time the whirling stuff was neither water nor smoke nor cloud but sand as plain as could be it was just like the parson's hourglass only going up not coming down and quickly instead of slowly and of these funnels spinning around and coming near and nearer there may have been perhaps a dozen or there may have been three score they differed very much in size according to the breadth of whirlwind and the stuff it fed upon and the hole in the air it bored but all alike had a tawny colour and a manner of bulking upward and a loose uncertain edge often lashing off in frays and between them black clouds galloped and sometimes two fell into one and bodily broke downward then a pile as big as newton rock rose in a moment anyhow hill or valley made no odds sand hill or sand bottom the sand was in the place of the air and the air itself was sand many people have asked me over and over again because such a thing was scarcely known except at the great storm of sand four hundred years ago they say our people ever so many times assert their privilege to ask me now again especially how many of these pillars there were i wish to tell the truth exactly having no interest in the matter and if i had no other matter would it be to me and after going into my memory deeper than ever i could have expected there would be occasion for all i can say is this legion was their number because they were all coming down upon me and how could i stop to count them watkin lost his mind a little and asked me with his head gone under my regulation coat if i thought it was the judgment day to this question i replied distinctly in the negative as the man of the paper wrote when i said no about poaching and then i cheered young watkin up 
and told him that nothing more was wanted than to keep a weather helm. Before his wit could answer helm so much as to clear my meaning, the storm was on me and broke my pipe and filled my lungs and all my pockets and spoiled every corner of the hat I had bought for my dear wife's funeral. I pulled back instantly, almost as quickly as boy Watkin could, and we heard the sand burst over the house with a rattle like shot and a roar like cannon. And being well inside the walls, we fixed our eyes on one another in the gloom and murkiness as much as we could do for coughing to be sure of something. Where is Bardy gone? I asked as soon as my lungs gave speech to me. It should have been, Where is Bunny gone? But my head was full of the little one. Who can tell? cried the boy in Welsh, being thoroughly scared of his English. Oh, die, oh dear, God the great only knows. God will guard her, I said softly, yet without pure faith in it, having seen such cruel things. But the boy's face moved me. Moreover, Bardy seemed almost too full of life for quenching, and having escaped rocks, waves, and quicksands, surely she would never be wrecked upon dry land ignobly. Nevertheless, at the mere idea of those helpless little ones out in all this raging havoc, tears came to my eyes until the sand, of which the very house was full, crusted up and blinded them. It was time to leave off thinking, if one meant to do any good. The whirlwind spun and whistled round us, now on this side, now on that, and the old house creaked and rattled as the weather pulled or pushed at it. The sand was drifted in the courtyard, without any special whirlwind, three feet deep in the northeast corner, and the sky, from all sides, fell upon us like a mountain undermined. Boy, go into your mother, I said, and I thank God for enabling me, else might she have been childless. Tell your mother not to be frightened, but to get your father up and to have the kettle boiling. Oh, Dio, dear Dio, let me come with you after that poor little child and after my five brothers. Go in, you helpless fool, I said, and he saw the set of my countenance and left me, though but half content. It needed all my strength to draw the door of the house behind me, although the wind was bent no more on one way than another, but universal uproar, and downroar too, for it fell on my head quite as much as it jerked my legs, and took me aback, and took me in front, and spun me round, and laughed at me. Then, of a sudden, all wind dropped, and yellow sky was over me. What course to take? if I had the choice, in search of those poor children, was more at first than I could judge, or bring my mind to bear upon. For as sure as we live by the breath of the Lord, the blast of his anger deadens us. Perhaps it was my instinct only, having been so long afloat, which drove me, straight as affairs permitted, towards the margin of the sea, and perhaps I had some desire to know how the sea itself would look under this strange visiting. Moreover, it may have come across me, without any thinking twice of it, that Bunny had an inborn trick of always running toward the sea, as behoved a sailor's daughter. Anyhow, that way I took, so far as it was left to me to know the points of the compass, 
or the shape and manner of anything for simple and short as the right road was no simpleton or short-witted man could have hit it or come near it in that ravenous weather in the whirl and grim distortion of the air and the very earth a man was walking as you might say in the depth of a perfect calm with stifling heat upon him and a piece of shadow to know himself by and then the next moment there he was in a furious state of buffeting baffled in front and belaboured aback and bellowed at under the swing of his arms and the staggering failure of his poor legs nevertheless in the lull and the slack times i did my utmost to get on having more presence of mind perhaps than any landsman could have owned poor fellows they are when it comes to blow and what could they do in a whirlwind as i began to think of them and my luck in being a seaman my courage improved to that degree that i was able quite heartily to commend myself to the power of god whom as a rule i remember best when the world seems coming to an end and i think it almost certain that this piety on my part enabled me to get on as i did for without any skill at all or bravery of mine but only the calmness which fell upon me as it used to do in the heat of battle when i thought on my maker all at once i saw a way to elude a great deal of the danger this was as simple as could be yet never would have come home to a man unable to keep his wits about him blurred and slurred as the whole sky was with twisted stuff and with yellowness i saw that the whirling pillars of sand not only whirled but also travelled in one spiral only they all came from the west where lay the largest spread of sand hills and they danced away to the northeast first and then away to south of east shaping around like a ship with her helm up preserving their spiral from left to right as all waterspouts do on the north of the line so when a column of sand came nigh to suck me up or to bury me although it went thirty miles an hour and i with the utmost care of my life could not have managed ten perhaps by porting my helm without carrying sail and so working a traverse i kept the weather gauge of it and that made all the difference of course i was stung in the face and neck as bad as a thousand mosquitoes when the skirts of the whirl flapped round at me but what was that to care about it gave me pleasure to walk in such peril and feel myself almost out of it by virtue of coolness and readiness nevertheless it gave me far greater pleasure i can assure you to feel hard ground beneath my feet and stagger along the solid pebbles of the beach of skur where the sandstorm could not come so much hereupon i do believe that in spite of all my courage so stout and strong in the moment of trial all my power fell away before the sense of safety what could my old battered life matter to any one in the world except myself and bunny however i was so truly thankful to kind providence for preserving it that i cannot have given less than nine jumps and said matthew mark luke and john three times over and in both ways this brought me back to the world again as any power of piety always does when i dwell therein 
and it drove me thereupon to trust in providence no longer than the time was needful for me to recover breathing when i came to my breath and prudence such a fright at first oppressed me that i made a start for running into the foremost of the waves thinking if i thought at all of lying down there with my head kept up and defying the sand to quench the sea soon however i perceived that this was not advisable such a roar arose around me from the blows of hills and rocks and the fretful eagerness of the sea to be at war again and the deep sound of the distance the voice of man could travel less than that of a sandpiper and the foot of man might long to be the foot of a sandhopper for the sea was rising fast up the verge of ground swell and a deep hoarse echo rolling down the shoaling of the surges this to me was pleasant music such as makes a man awake the colour of the sun and sky was just as i had once beholden near the pearl grounds of ceylon where the bottom of the sea comes up with a very mournful noise and the fish sing dirges and no man however clear of eye can open the sea and the sky asunder and by this time being able to look round a little for the air was not so full of sand though still very thick and dusty i knew that we were on the brink of a kind of tornado as they call it in the tropics a storm that very seldom comes into these northern latitudes being raised by violence of heat as i have heard a surveyor say the air going upward rapidly with a great hole left below it now as i stood on watch as it were and being in such a situation longed for more tobacco what came to pass was exactly this so far as a man can be exact when his wits have long been failing him the heaven opened or rather seemed to be cloven by a sword sweep and a solid mass of lightning fell with a cone like a red-hot anvil the ring of black rocks received its weight and leaped like a boiling cauldron while the stormy waters rose into a hiss and heap of steam then the crash of heaven stunned me when i came to myself it was raining as if it had never rained before the rage of sand and air was beaten flat beneath the rain and the fretful lifting of the sea was hushed off into bubbles what to do i could not tell in spite of all experience but rubbed the sand from both my eyes as bad as the beard of an oyster and could see no clear way anywhere now the sky was spread and traversed with a net of crossing fires in and out like mesh and needle only without time to look some were yellow some deep red and some like banks of violet and others of a pale sweet blue like gazing through a window they might have been very beautiful and agreeable to consider if they had been further off and without that wicked crack of thunder through the roar worse storms i had seen of course in the hot world and up mountains and perhaps thought little of them but then there was this difference i had always plenty of fellows with me and it was not sunday also i then was young and trained for cannons to be shot at me neither had i a boat of my own but my dear wife was alive these considerations moved me to be careful of my life 
a duty which increases on us after the turn of the balance, and seeing all things black behind me, and a world of storm around, knowing every hole as I did, with many commendations of myself to God for the sake of Bunny, in I went into a hole under a good solid rock, where I could watch the sea, and care for nothing but an earthquake. End of chapter 9